0: Welcome to The Listen, hosted by me, Abby Gibson. And me, Charlie Perry. And every week we share our observations and over-analysis from pop culture, current affairs and our own lives. It's the podcast for those of us who have
1: big feelings about the things that matter and even bigger feelings about the things that don't. And
0: this week, as you may notice, not Tuesday. And therefore, we've got a little surprise because we have decided that We can't really talk about some of our favourite things on normal podcasts or things we've been consuming because we don't want to issue spoilers. We are respectful of your entertainment.
1: We're not those people. We respect that everyone
0: watches on their own time, mainly because Charlie is one of those people. (laughs) I am the one that is the most prone to spoilers, absolutely. (laughs) From everything, because I'm always three years behind everybody else. As is your right, I guess. Exactly. This week, we are discussing Yomi Edega Kay's The List.
1: <laughs> yes, and spoiler alerts right now. If you haven't read it, go and read it and then come
0: back and listen to this. Turn off, please, because <laughs> I know how it feels to get the spoilers and uh, yeah, we're not here for that, and that is the exact reason, as I said, that we're not putting this in the main episode because it's also not relevant to you if you haven't read the book, and that's boring content.
1: You never know; <laughs> there are some people out there who listen to stuff like this, having never read or watched what people are discussing, just to get a vibe. So, if you're here and you're happy for the spoilers, then welcome, I guess.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, true. If you want to treat us as a, what's that? Um, not footnotes. What's that app called that basically like summarizes Cliff's notes? Cliff cliff notes. Cliff. Cliff notes. This is a non-professional cliff notes. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we're going to go through our thoughts on the book. We are, of course, going to be discussing the plot and the ending. And then I suppose we'll be giving it a rating at some point. This is the first time we've done this. so Oh my God, we've not discussed that in advance. I'm excited
1: to find out what it is.
0: (laughs) I know, I've also not thought about this. And my personal ratings towards any form of entertainment have quite an interesting... (laughs) Angle, and so I feel like that's going to be a ride that you're all welcome to join me for at the end of the episode. Can't wait.
1: Okay, so if it's been a while since you have read the book, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of the story. So the list follows Instagram famous couple Ola who is an outspoken journalist at a feminist online publication and her partner Michael who is a podcaster who's just landed his first proper presenting gig and we join them as they are three weeks out from their wedding when all of a sudden a list is posted to Twitter naming abusers in the UK media industry and Michael's name is on it. Whoa. (laughs) So Ola tells Michael that He needs to prove his innocence or the wedding is off. So as the story goes on, we are unsure of Michael's like true character, his history and therefore his innocence until the very end of the book. And Ola spends the story kind of just grappling with her own values because the man she loves is accused of the very thing that she has made her mark by calling out
0: herself. Oh, it's honestly a ride of a storyline. And I think from the outset, it had me hooked just on that synopsis of somebody having to very clearly prove themselves innocent because that is how a lot of great stories, fiction and nonfiction, start.
1: Yeah, I love a social media thriller. And I realized that's a very new genre, but I obviously I read the list and not long before that I read Yellow Face, which maybe we'll get onto another day, which is very similar. I love the idea of, because it's a very real thing that happens that people are, are tried by social media and this book really gets into what that is actually like from that person's point of view, but then also the people that love them the most.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I do think that one thing that I feel quite strongly about is, I don't know about you, but when I used to read books when I was younger, I very much felt like they were like of the time. Mm. And I've since read books, like I believe it was The Silent Patient. I don't know if you've read that. No, I haven't. Well, the storyline basically followed somebody who was like a blogger and that feels very nostalgic to me. And I quite enjoy reading books of tech times gone by and I just feel like this storyline is gonna feel like that to me in another like 10 years or whatever it might be so when there's like younger people picking up this book because it had such great accolades in 2023 24 yeah. whatever it'll have that nostalgic feel to it so yeah I, I agree the kind of trial by social media thing is really quite fun and I like that it will likely feel out of date sometime and it's like a real representation Mm. of its time.
1: Well, that was actually one thing that I noted down that what I really liked about the book was that it was set in 2019, like you've just said. And I listened to an interview with um, Yomi and she made that a very personal decision because she wrote this like during COVID, during lockdown. And she was like, she wanted to write a story pre-COVID because social media went through a massive evolution in such a short amount of time and she captured a really interesting point of, The world really pre pandemic and pre everyone losing their absolute bloody minds. Um, and like you said yeah it's it's
0: a great time capsule that's such a good point yeah it just I, I love that feeling and I also think that the one thing that I had thought about while she was reading and and sorry if this is like a blatantly obvious point but the fact that it's already out of date because it references Twitter and not yes I know. is like an exact reason of that <laughs> but what I did love was that like getting into the storyline a little bit more was that we were being used as pawns in a way as we understand what it would be like to consume something like the list yes. so we're thinking of ourselves in the story which I really enjoyed it felt quite relatable that that could very easily be a thing that even on something like the listen we would be discussing if this was real yeah and I do think that there was a really interesting point around like the way that the media industry is structured at the minute. And he's a podcaster, Mm. uh, Michael is a podcaster. And the fact that he's kind of like between jobs and uh, really kind of going for his next step, I think also really nicely reflects the way that people work within the industry as well. And I know that we've got points to make about working in media later down in the episode, but I I feel as though kind of as an overarching theme, it felt like the list was a very tangible, realistic thing that could very easily exist. Mm. And one thing that I was thinking of it as was a member of the public who might use the app as Twitter now X but also as somebody who is trained in media I have a degree in journalism so I know about all of the different things that would be counted as slander or obviously libel and and that sort of thing and and it's really interesting what like as a reader you take from it and where your opinions are because what I'm really keen to know from you is like where you were aligning yourself throughout that like which characters you felt like you kind of sided with the most
1: yeah do you know like you said the media aspect of it is two people who work in media I found fascinating and that made me enjoy the book so much more because it was a world that I'm familiar with and hopefully for people who aren't don't work in media it's just a world that you kind of interested to know more about like so many books these days and films are always like a woman in some sort of magazine so it's a great it's a great occupation to write about I think um, <laughs> yeah I but agree I did particularly love. Wominks? This is so interesting. So Ola works for a magazine called, well, I'm going to spell it. Yeah. W-O-M-X-X-N. And I know there was a bit in the book where... They talked about Frankie, who was the founder of it, didn't know that woman spelt with an X, you still could say woman out loud. And she thought it was pronounced Wominx. And then I think she doubled down yeah. and called it Triple X. But I was reading it in my head as just woman until it was explained later on that Frankie calls it
0: Wominx. <laughs> Frankie is a hot mess. I'm sorry.
1: Frankie was like one of my favorite characters because of what a mess she was. And I'm like, I know that woman, that woman is so real. Like, yeah, I've never had the fortune or misfortune of meeting her. (laughs) But that is like kind of the setting I felt most at home with. And I really enjoyed reading the conversations that Ola had with Kieran. Yeah. Because It was kind of like, I really understood Ola because it was such a difficult and shit thing that she was going through. Yeah. Because she literally had, this is who I am as a person. And now the person I love and I've pledged to spend the rest of my life with is someone who I would like, if it was anybody else, I would have thrown out on the curb. And I think Kieran was really good for like calling her out on that immediately But then I understand why Ola argued back because she was in denial, I think. Obviously, as we know how the story ended, but Ola was in a deep denial because she went through with the bloody wedding.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's it because it's, it felt a little bit like if it was your friend, how you would advise them was very clearly Mm -hmm. reflected in each of the characters. And actually one thing that I was just having a type there is because I feel like there's names that I'm, I'm kind of about to say and... Seely, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ruth, yeah. Obviously, we're seeing this through Seely, Ruth, and Kiran, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really interesting dynamic of like work friend who's also kind of in the situation by none of their own fault, really. They're just working on the story, Mm -hmm. but then with Seely, I think it was very obvious that there was an underlying story there, yeah. And I think the intentions of Yomi were to make that clear but not make it the main storyline but it kind of felt as though it was like a real back story that really didn't matter Mm. and I feel as though I understand why it was left so late in the book to explain but it showed itself in a way that I would have preferred it to be done so it was kind of like we knew but Ola didn't know yeah I like feeling that as an as an audience member or as a reader that I'm privy to knowledge that the character doesn't know so that I can like feel emotions of like no but obviously I also understand that if she was to do that it would mean that we weren't fighting ourselves between whether we aligned with Ruth or Seely.
1: Totally and actually if we're talking about what what we found frustrating with the book one of my big things really and I did have a bit of an uncomfortableness with it is that I think there needs to be a massive trigger warning on this book that if you're a survivor of sexual assault, you should not read it. Yeah. Because I think it would be deeply upsetting to have, and I know that that is the big debate of the book. However, it's kind of sad that we have to put up, do we believe people when they say they're being assaulted? Mm. And I totally understand why that was the setting and it did make for a really great thriller but I really think it does need to be like a forewarning that this does not take sexual assault seriously to be honest yeah until that revelation with seeley which as you've just pointed out is a big reveal
0: yeah and later on in the book as well like quite far in
1: really far in so i think that that was one thing that i was like i wish it could have been handled a bit differently because there was a lot of focus in terms of the male characters there was a lot of focus on the people that were wrongly accused take lewis the famous football character i really enjoyed that element of the story i felt a lot of sympathy for him obviously saying that he was a closeted gay man and that the only way he could prove that he wasn't um, an abuser is have to come out and ruin his life in a different way like that's a but to me that's a whole other story mm, yeah. and the one guy who assaulted seely i felt like that was so rushed and again right near the end of the book and i felt no justification or vindication Mm. for, or the, let's assume that the majority of the names on this list were actual abusers or were were led to believe it. Yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair because like the story is about Ola and Michael, but when you're pushing something like such a serious topic, I feel like it could have had more thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, I agree with that. I think just to come from a different angle which I apologize if this is like an English literature lesson where you're having to you know give your opinion on why the curtains are blue and the wind blows (laughs) them in a certain way I am kind of just stabbing at creative direction but I do feel as though it really showed how much that character did not care that they attacked Celia that it was just like a flippant moment in their history that made no difference to their life but had such an impact on the character but I agree that it didn't have a huge amount of time around it but what it did show was like the male reaction to being called out to something like that when they were in that environment of having the party and that happened i suppose to add to that point but to kind of i do want to hop back for a second when michael had that um i'm laughing at myself because i'm about to pronounce the name of this character and i'm i'm honestly too white (laughs) for this to come out in a way that's not going to make me sound so anyway (laughs) when michael confronts pappy Danks. (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell I'm white? About the fact that he's attacked Sealy because obviously Ola gives him a call while he's with him. I think that it was predictable because we know that that is how generally a man would deal with a situation like that, just mm-hmm. like going to violence. And I think that was a. Obviously, there's there was frustrations from Michael's point of view as a character who's also been associated with the same, tarnished with the same brush, just to kind of reference him yeah. being named on, on the list. But it's frustrating that it was really quick I understand that and just to kind of go back I'm sorry to kind of flip-flop around you can tell we've not done one of these book reviews before (laughs) but one thing that I really enjoyed about the book was that it actually pissed me off until the end because I was finding that I was predicting quite a few things throughout the storyline and I was a bit like oh it's kind of predictable but fine, like, yeah, I, I guess that character, like the Sealy thing, for example, I knew that there was an underlying story there and I knew something was going to come out. And I kind of knew what the responses of the characters would be to certain situations. And that felt quite predictable. And that started to make me feel like the book was going to have quite a predictable ending. And there were a few avenues I'd had in my mind in terms of what I thought it was going to end as. Mm. But the one thing that I was really praying it wouldn't be that I felt like it was going to be was a book that was essentially another woman-scorned storyline where, yes, it was a woman who sent the name of a man to a list because she was pissed off that he didn't want to be with her. And I was like, don't let this be a storyline set in 2019, a book that's come out in 2023 and it have that sort of ending because we don't need any more of that narrative of a woman scorned and doing something as kind of, I suppose you wouldn't call it petty revenge, but the idea of some sort of revenge because she didn't get to be with the man that she wanted to be with. So I'm thrilled that that wasn't the ending. Do you know,
1: I wasn't even sure if we would find out, uh, like have like a definitive ending. So I was thrilled when there was an actual ending and I didn't see it coming.
0: no. I didn't.
1: No, uh, for anyone, as a reminder, so it ends up that um, the person who put Michael on the list was his ex's current partner. You basically read the final chapter from his point of view and he sounds batshit crazy. Yeah. And it was actually insane. But the thing is, I was really happy with the ending because also Ola and Michael were just like, not working
0: no like
1: it was clear especially because she talks so much about in the book about how she basically he cheated on her first of all which she knew about took him back he cheated on her again she didn't know that about so there's the infidelity so as soon as that kind of came up I was like this isn't gonna work you she cannot be with this man Mm. so I'm glad that it ended up with a kind of a amicable divorce but I really wasn't expecting the man scorned almost at the end. I thought it was brilliant. I loved the ending.
0: Yeah, I loved the ending. I think the way that Yomi had written it was very much from a point of view of this has to be the way it ends because alongside it not being a woman scorned storyline, it's it, it had to be, there was no other correct way to end that relationship than it be Amicable. The woman in the story, obviously, Ola has like stood up for herself. It's it's a moral reflection of what we expect from ourselves and our peers as women. Yeah. But the way that she wrote it was so obvious that it was like, oh, but I really, really wanted this to work. Like I didn't want it to work because he's treated her like shit. But the way that they have this kind of mutual respect for one another in a way that's like, this isn't going to work and we respect that is the feeling of just being like, for fuck's sake, guys, like, what Michael why did you have to be such a dick because like you meant so much to Ola oh, and he, she didn't deserve that. She
1: didn't and he was truly the worst. Honestly if
0: I, I could meet Ola as a person
1: you know that she would be so incredibly intelligent, amazing at her job, so value driven and Michael ruined that. Yeah. I agree. And like, I'm sorry that Michael got wrongly accused, but he was still a dickhead.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The accusing of him doing what they said he did, which was, I don't think they ever made it very clear, but it was just abuse, obviously, because it wasn't true. But I think he didn't deserve that. But I will say, and maybe this is controversial and I shouldn't say it, (laughs) karma is a bitch. No, it is a bitch. And it did bite him in the ass. It really did, like a bit too hard. It took a bit of a chunk <laughs> yeah. out of his ass, and it but that's why done. she's a. That's why Karma's a bitch, you know exactly. And the other thing that I would like to say on the idea of like the value driven thing was that I did like that Frankie was a complete cow, <laughs> and Ola quit, but that was yeah. very predictable to me.
1: Do you know what? I didn't find those bits predictable. I found the whole. Ola being asked to write an article like I thought that would happen but yeah I I do like how Frankie's almost character reveal was that she was like why didn't you tell me I obviously would never have made you like do that article do you really think I'm that horrible but then she's like the clicks though Ola so
0: <laughs> write <Yeah>. your article <laughs> exactly I felt that that was going to happen that was like kind of I don't know if it's like the Devil Wears Prada type character.
1: In a weird way, because obviously like the majority
0: of the characters in this book are
1: people of color. Frankie is kind of the one that we would look like the most.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's why we could understand her, which is terrible. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I think that brings me really nicely onto my point around this being a almost fully black character lineup in that I've read books that have followed very similar structures in terms of it being like a primarily black character lineup but what I will say is that we've spoken obviously before recording this about how the book has been received in general Mm -hmm. um, which we've been conscious of not doing in this podcast as a main point because I do feel like reading is very personal to me, and I find it tarnishes my opinion when I know what the masses' opinion is. And so I tried to avoid it, to be perfectly honest. But what I find is that there's been a couple of reviews that have really slammed the fact that it's not felt like something that they could relate to, or it's felt it's like maybe realistic. Like, yeah unrealistic storylines and I disagree because I think this is very realistic in the culture we live in that mm. something like this would be published through a social media platform but I feel as though the way that a lot of people have reviewed it is really frustrating because I think what they're completely neglecting to understand is their majority white women who have given these reviews and I feel as though you're not going to align yourself with some of these characters and their experiences which is why it probably feels unrealistic because you're not a black woman and you're not a black man and I think it's really important to remember that when we're reading characters and we're forming them in our brains we go off the description in the book but we also have to kind of create our own opinions on what these people think, feel, how they're going to react, whether we think it's predictable or not, based off of our own personal opinion Mm -hmm. of what we believe them to be. And that is so important to reflect upon as a reader, especially when you're reading a book that has a lineup. It's written by a black woman, obviously, if you're familiar with Yomi, but I think you have to be much more mindful of how you're building characters in your mind and whether you feel like you can relate to them or not, because I will say it's set in London. If you're not familiar with London, you're not going to feel like you can gel with like where they are. And I do live in London. I've not been living here for a long period of time. And even I had like a little bit of a vibe of like, I know what that kind of place is like. I can imagine the meeting in this park. Like I get that. But then I think it's also a case of some of these reviews have been from outside of the UK and if you don't understand the location and what it's like, it's a rainy summer, for example. And I was reading this in like rainy winter and was like, this is still kind of messing with my head a bit that it's a British rainy summer yeah. and I'm reading it in winter. It was making me think it was a winter story and I had to keep reminding myself of that because my environment around me while reading, I'm reflecting upon it, my thoughts and my feelings. And the the problem is, is that it's not going to feel realistic if you don't understand the place if you don't understand the time of year even if you don't understand the experiences of the character but that's why it's so important that there's literature that follows a majority black character lineup because it's it's not going to be realistic to you because these readers were white people Mm -hmm. trying to understand the black community and there was a lot of things in this book that I didn't understand through like little jokes they were making or references that were very clearly understood by the characters in the storyline and people who were reading with the same experience and I was like I don't understand what that means I am gonna have to google this to teach myself what that part of culture like black british culture is because I'm a white woman. Yeah.
1: And like you said and that's why it's so important and I think it's really important to remember that as white people we are very heavily represented in media in TV, in film, in literature. And the chances are the majority of what you consume as a white person is you being reflected back at you. And if you feel like uncomfortable reading a book like this, you really need to look inwards and think about why, because it's actually okay that some things aren't for you, but equally like I had moments of like, yeah, like you did, there was references in this that I didn't understand, but I was like, okay, if I want to learn more, I will learn more. But yeah. it didn't in no way detract from how much I enjoyed this book.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, and it's, I feel a sense of shame that there's like, not sh- shame from a point of view of, Maybe being part of a culture that doesn't reflect the interests and the jokes and the the culture of mm. the black community in the UK. But I also wince a bit when I see reviews that are like, "I just didn't understand the characters, oh, or I, I just didn't feel like it was realistic." And I'm like, "Oh God, you are a white person. Please stop talking about it in that like, way. Just like, just don't bring it up. Like, just yeah, literally don't bring it up. It's not relevant at it's that not. point." And I. I hope if you're listening and you've not thought that when you're kind of taking reviews from black authors or you're taking reviews from a book that has had black character lineup, it's something that I think we all need to like, come on. We've got to be a bit more cognizant of that.
1: Yeah, 100%
0: agree. Before we move on, Abby, I do just want to say that one thing I did find really frustrating and I did find to be quite unrealistic was at the wedding with the social media page on the wall with everything that was filtering through I have never been to a wedding where they've had a live feed of their own hashtag on the wall. (laughs) I
1: disagree. I actually do find this realistic because I don't think you should ever underestimate how extra people will be at their weddings. For real. Maybe (laughs) like serious. Maybe it's
0: because the weddings I've been invited to, they wouldn't do that, and I personally wouldn't do that. But that's fair.
1: Yeah. good news if you did enjoy the book um as we did because it's going to be made into a tv show and its it was Woohoo. actually picked up to be a tv show before it was even published which is absolutely incredible and listen to this and it's being made by hbo max bbc and a24 so it's like actually mm-hmm. incredible so when this was already such like a hot book because it was like an 11-way auction and if you don't know what that means essentially when you have a book to publish and publishing houses will bid on the opportunity to publish your book so she had 11 publishing houses fighting over the book and then before the book was even published she had a 17-way bidding war for the rights to make it into a tv show
0: yeah. Which is just Iconic. Like, I don't
1: understand how anyone can say this wasn't a good book when that many people were after it. I listened to her um, Yomi talk on um, How to Fail with it, Elizabeth Day. And she spoke about how actually she had written HBO, BBC and A24 down before all of this, like, these are my dream team. And she was yeah. basically like, can I not have them all? And I, yeah. they were like, Yes, you can. So already, just from that alone, and when I was reading the book, before I read it, I knew it was being made into a TV show. So this probably influenced my brain, but I could just see it. I can really see it being filmed. I could see the actors. I could see the style. And I I already just know it's going to be an incredible show I've got no doubt about it it might be a better tv show than it is a book
0: yeah I did think that because I was going to say I wonder how each party in the tv show are going to have their input because mm. obviously I think from a BBC and a HBO Max point of view everybody knows that but A24 I think is a little bit lesser known in terms of what they do so I'm really keen to see how it comes together and, and how each party will influence the final product but I think the reason why I'm assuming it's so interesting is because it's a black author it's a it's a primarily black character lineup across the board it's cancel culture it's social yes. media it's it's i disagree with any review saying that it's not realistic it's a very realistic so thing that happen, timely I've said before. so relevant yeah and it's almost like they would be fighting to bid for it to get it done because it kind of has to come out as soon mm. as possible even things like we said It's it's called X now. Like like, I wonder how they're gonna approach this sort Mm. of thing because I can't imagine that Twitter would be like, yeah, sure, whatever. But one thing I do want to say, just to add an extra layer of like how impressive this is as an achievement from Yomi, is that she'd written thirty thousand words. It was an unfinished manuscript, and she sent it off for submission. And it's just incredible. It's yeah. I think from a mass media point of view, obviously, I know that opinions vary about mass entertainment or kind of whatever it might be I know it can be quite divisive at times but I just think you can't read all of this and not think that it's a complete legit storyline that people yeah. like
1: and that's and that's <laughs> it isn't it at the end of the day I race to the end like I devoured this book because I had to know what happened
0: and I think that's a great sign for me exactly and I will always recommend this book I think it's it's it just makes you think in a way that I think is important that literature does mm. that and obviously it's completely cool to pick up like a a completely actually unrealistic love story. There's plenty of those Ugh. hanging around. I love those as well. Read. <laughs> Same, like you can pick stuff up and it just be like a thoughtless read that takes you yeah. two days to get through, which is not me because I am part of the slow <laughs> reading club. What I will say is that I know as we're wrapping this up, I actually found it harder to get into than I thought I would, but the end went really quickly mm. for me. I do find reading, I don't always find it too relaxing to get yeah. into until I'm like fully submersed in the storyline. But it did make me want to ask you one final question before we wrap Ooh, okay. up, Abby. I think every reader of this book has had this conversation with themselves. And as a reader of the list, if you were Ola, would you have got married to Michael? Oh. Honestly. Oh my God. What would you have done? Because I don't like my personal answer to that Ooh, question. That's
1: interesting. I think I would. Because I totally understand all of her justifications. And as someone who just got married, I was literally like, what the hell would I do? Three weeks out. I think it's because it was three weeks before. And it was the it, it was the money element for me. Yeah. There was so much money. It was a massive wedding. I think I would have gone through with it and been like, because, because it was just not enough time to pull out
0: of it. That's fair. What about you? And that's a good reason. My answer, which I didn't like, as I said, was my answer was that I would have got married to mm-hmm. Michael. But I think it comes from a really hopeless romantic place in that I think I would have found it too hard to say no. Because yes, the money, but also just the idea of being like, it was so clear how much she absolutely yeah. adored him. Yeah. And I think that would have been my overriding feeling of being like, I love this guy so much. The definition of marriage in my eyes is that you're a team, you stand by one another, you hold each other down and you have to be selfless and the situation is so tricky, and I would have been like, this is completely conflicting with my career and everything I stand for, but I also love this man, and I think I would have married him out of love more than anything else, and I hate that. that No, that is so
1: messed up. I was like, I didn't want to lose the money, (laughs) and you were like, I love him. (laughs) I did not know we were that different. (laughs)
0: that is literally the difference between us two. And I hate that. I really don't like that about myself because there's so many other reasons to want to marry them for things like the money and whatnot. I think it's just a case of being like, oh shit, is that what my opinion of love is that even that wouldn't make me?
1: Yeah, But I think Ola... Married Michael for both of our reasons. I do. I think yeah. she did it because she loved him, but I also think she did it because she felt like she had to.
0: Yes. And I would have also made the same decisions as Ola, just to say, like, yeah. down the line. I would have been like, this isn't working, but, like, I was showing you my dedication my- to this marriage. Yeah.
1: Right, Charlie. I tend to rate things out of five. <laughs> yes. we
0: <we're, laughs> I think that's a good idea. <laughs> We'll do more episodes like this for sure because it's really fun.
1: We need to figure out
0: what our own rating is. We're not going to do the whole thing of like ears. I'm going to give it five ears out of five because it's the listen <laughs> We can't be that predictable. We need something that's cognizant.
1: Let's not lock it in now. But if anyone has any ideas, yeah. send us a, a message in from in the link in the show notes to see what our rating scale should be.
0: Yeah. Love that. I'm going to... I know you didn't ask me to go first, but I'm going first anyway. Go for I'm it. a narcissist, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rate it a... Are we doing points or is it literally just like four? No, commit. Do do whole numbers. Whole numbers, right. Okay.
1: Four out of five. I agree.
0: I would give it a four out of five. If you were allowing me to have my points, I would have given it a 3.7. What? <laughs> no, you're not allowed. For
1: that reason alone, the fact that you didn't even go 3.5... You're not, you, you are not allowed points.
0: No.
1: <laughs> okay, fine. It was just a predictability to the minute. I kept guessing what was going to happen. That's fine. You the can end. knock off a star for that. Fine. Right. Well, let us know what you thought of the book. In like we said, we've got a Google form that you can submit all of your thoughts, questions, love letters,
0: whatever you like. We'd love to hear from you. Of course we would. And also one thing that we would really love to do is make sure that this is like an ongoing special. And so if you want to be a bit more engaged with this level of conversation in that we're all a part of reading or consuming something, it doesn't just have to be books and you want to get our take on it. The next book that Abby and I have decided to read is Good Material by Dolly Alderton. If you want to listen to this, go buy the book or if you've read it and you loved it or you hated it or whatever, please get in touch. Um, As Abby said, there's a little hyperlink in the show notes everywhere. You can go to that and... um yeah it would be really fun to see you on the next episode and we really hope you enjoyed this one
1: yes you can follow us at the links in the bio so come and have a chat with us over on instagram this podcast has been produced by astro productions the podcast network
0: that puts women first the executive producers are my wonderful abby gibson and myself charlie perry editing by the fabulous and wonderful abby gibson <laughs> oh, video thanks. editing by the incredible lauren Howie, and production coordination by the formidable molly sainty it, formidable is a good word to use right <laughs> yeah wait i just want to make sure that that makes sense oh god no it's not correct it means causing fear apprehension <laughs> or dread production coordination by the fabulous molly sainty <laughs>